We are the tribe from the north, we're brave and we're bold, defeating our rivals, never gets old, making our way to the big sky conference, watch out cause here comes the silver and gold, whoa, whoa, this is Tubbs at the club, for the vandals of Idaho. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined today by co-host Dallas Hammer, who has a big day coming up this Sunday. Dallas, how how's the anticipation? Um, well, it's 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 weird. So to put this into perspective for everybody, I'm about to turn 30. Uh, my favorite band of all time. I just watched them perform two albums back-to-back nights in Portland and Seattle over the weekend. Usually I'm the guy moshing like crazy. I'm in the circle pits. If they want to do a wall of death, I'm the guy ready to do it. I did not do that. I stood in the middle of the venue and kind of swayed around and bounced a little bit. And I am still more sore than I've ever been after a concert. So I'm just sitting here thinking, like, am I going to be, like, alive on Sunday to watch the Super Bowl? Or is this the end for me? Spoiler alert. I think you might make it. We're also joined, as always, running the show in the background, hopping into the comment thread to argue with himself, both from his personal account and the Tubbs account. Producer Martin Hot Take Heemstra. Holding it down in Moscow, Martin. How's it going? You just came from VSF event. How's it going? Yeah, I just came from VSF, man. It was good. Planning some fun events for the future, and I'll maybe talk about it later in the show. Already with the teaser hashtag only tubs. Join our Patreon at patreon.com backslash tubs the club. And the point of the show today is there's some big sky football news. We're gonna get to Idaho news later, but the story for us that we're gonna cover it's out of Greeley, Colorado, Northern Colorado. A lot of excitement. In I think 2020 is when Ed McCaffrey signed his contract. Uh, maybe that's out the window, but to walk us through it, Jaden Adams, there's a pause there because there appears to be some controversy about Jaden's last name. Jaden, first off, tell us what the hell to call you and how's it going? Uh, going well. Anyone can call me just about anything. Um, yes, Jaden Adams. Adams is my um official unofficial uh married last name unfortunately because of covid i just have not been able to get that legally adjusted um so my byline still has watson fisher which is my maiden name because i got both parents and um you know i thought about keeping it for good but um you know, five letters sounds really great to me. So we'll get that done. Um, it doesn't matter what people call me. Um, you know, like I said, I have a bunch of nicknames. Wh- whatever. Whatever people are feeling. But things are good. Things are dramatic, you know. Yeah, you bring up numbers. Uh, your number was five. My Our crack research team has, we've been crunching the numbers, and we found out that Northern Colorado, which that that's a team you cover for the Greeley Tribune, correct? Yes. Yeah, we we've we've crunched the numbers, paid for outside accounting work, and we have found out that though five letters is great for a last name, thirty-one to thirty-two is a rough number for people bailing on your program, which at this point 
Northern Colorado has somewhere between 31 and 32, 31 confirmed, potentially 32nd coming pretty soon. Players who have entered the transfer portal to get out of Greeley. And Jaden is really the one who's been on top of this story. And look, I'm just going to throw it to you. What the hell is going on in Northern Colorado that 31 to 32 people are leaving? And this isn't first year Ed McCaffrey cleaning house. No, he's been there for a year. So like some of the transitional things that, you know, maybe some, some players would be uneasy about those should be up and running by now. And it's year two that like almost half the roster is gone. Right. Um, You know, the whole, what the hell is happening? I've been asking that for weeks now. Um, We, I say we, I um, started hearing rumors, hearing comments early, early into the season about guys being unhappy. Um, You know, I heard players literally on the sideline of practice, you know, talking, you know, kind of under their breath about how, you know, I think I'm going to get out of here. But, you know, despite it being the second year, um, it is the first full season on the sidelines because they didn't get to play in the spring. Right. And so a little bit of it was concern, you know, maybe taking it a little bit with a grain of salt. Um, But then it started getting big. I started getting texts from parents and emails from loved ones saying, this is so much more than just guys complaining about playing time. This is more than, you know, they they just think his personality is weird and they don't like it, you know? Um, and again, kept that kind of in my back pocket because I wasn't I wasn't sure what what was really going on. Um, but then we saw transfers coming in. We saw twelve before Christmas, I think. Something like that. Nine, 12 before a couple of weeks ago, right? And it was a lot, but it wasn't terrible, you know? In the age of the transfer portal, okay, you know, I, I can kind of see it. But then literally the day after my first story published where it was just like, hey, we have 12 players leaving. Their families are saying their problems, you know, another another dozen or so announced that they were entering the portal um and i was shocked i i guess it's just one of those things where you hear it but you're not you're you really need to see it happen before you can believe it um you know and those numbers have kept going up like you said these aren't just um you know first year guys who are being upset Um, These are guys who have been in the program for now two years under Ed, um, and they're not happy. And, you know, I keep telling people they have no reason to lie, despite, you know, what the administration might be saying. Um, They have nothing to gain and everything to lose. Um, And so it's just a mess. Before we go into the details, just so that everyone's clear, I know that there, if you re, if anyone reads Jane's article, which you definitely should, she has a post on Twitter, or you can just Google Northern Colorado. It's going to be, going to be one of the most recent, Northern Colorado football is going to be one of the most recent hits. 
can you can you walk us through just walk through listeners through who maybe haven't read the article yet what has been your sourcing for both the volume of people who've been leaving but also the there's a lot of specific instances that you you reference in the article we'll talk about a good amount of them on the show what's been your sourcing for those yeah so like i said it started with you know parents and loved ones reaching out to me um, and at the time, players were not comfortable telling their stories, even anonymously, which, again, you kind of understand since these guys want to go somewhere else. They don't want their recruitment hurt or anything. Um, but once that first, the very first story published, you know, I had guys reaching out to me. Um, you know, I did reach out to some of them as well, um, but several, you know, came directly to me through their through their family members, you know, referred me to other guys. And um, I had former staff members talking to me. Um, and something that's not obviously noted in the public in publication is, you know, those eight people who talked to me for this story are not the only people that I've talked to. You know, there have been more than two dozen people who have contacted me in some way to confirm at least you know, one claim or another, oftentimes multiple. I bring up the sourcing because one of the things that, of course, Ed McCaffrey, of course, the university has done is dismiss a lot of this publicly, which, simple point, whether the different allegations, different things referenced, or some people are going to take more seriously than others, but as a reference point, yeah, it's BS. A lot of the stuff is not BS. This is real. And the first first thing I want to do is subdivide what appear to be the origins of some of these problems. And when I say origin of the problems, I'm just letting, I'm just presuming, yes, of course, some programs are going to have, every program is going to have some attrition. 32 right. is like leading the nation. 32 is a gigantic amount of people leaving. This is something else. So first thing to look at are specific potential NCAA violations that have been disclosed to you. Can you talk? Can you talk us through what were the NCAA allegations relating to Northern Colorado football under Ed McCaffrey? Yeah, so um, players have alleged that um, they were on partial scholarship because you know F that's the way FCS uh, financial aid works, um, and said that you know their scholarships were reduced and they were not notified by the university or by their coaches and multiple said multiple players said this happened to you know a handful of them you know it wasn't a one-off situation is what they're is what they're claiming um another player said that you know his was reduced under former coach Ernest Collins and, you know, just due to his work and some um, personal adjustments, you know, he was going to get that back. But then Collins was fired and allegedly Ed McCaffrey did not want to honor um, the agreement of, you know, bringing this player's to, um, financial aid back to its original agreed upon um, number. Um so the university has understandably and expectedly um, denied this. Um, and I had a follow-up 
um, article on that as well. They talked about their process and, um, you know, talked about how, you know, they supposedly followed all the rules. Um, but unfortunately, um, there is no way for me to get copy of the alleged notification that these players received or or anything like that due to FERPA, the Family and uh, Educational Rights Privacy Act or whatever it is. Um, so they can't give that to me. But the players are saying they can't give me anything either because it doesn't exist. Um, so we're kind of stuck in this limbo right now of not really, not really knowing what's going on. Um, and we're just kind of waiting to see if there's any like official investigation. The, so the, and to put it narrowly, the things that would qualify under the NCAA violations, it's finance, it's financial aid related. It has to do with disclosing and the award, Awarding and specifically adjusting downward of financial aid without falling through regulatory procedures. The before we get to the second part, I should have brought this up earlier. Of the 32 guys leaving, it is not shocking for in a new program, not just to have in a new program people leave, but in a new program for guys who are not seeing the field as much uh, to be likely to to transfer out, or of the people who transfer out, people not seeing the field are more likely to be unhappy where they're at and want to go elsewhere. Northern Colorado of their 32 guys, it's not just bench guys, correct? We right. we have some difference makers from relative to how Northern Colorado was. We have some contributors from last season who are not coming back, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, the university is saying that there are a lot of reasons for a player to transfer, which – I feel like that's generally understood. Um, I, most people can understand that it might be more than supposed to playing time or what have you. Um, and one of the things that was told to me was that, um, you know, these guys meet with compliance and they, they often meet with their coaches or um, administrators to talk about their reasoning for leaving. And they're kind of using the lack of citing, you know, these players didn't necessarily say, hey, I think we have a bunch of problems as to why they're leaving. Um, and they're kind of using that reasoning as to say, no, 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 we don't have problems. Um, but that's not what they're telling me. They're saying we didn't tell them. We didn't want to say there are issues, but that's at least part of why um, for many of them. Which that that's a nice segue into the second batch of reasons why Northern Colorado is probably seeing more people than you'd expect leave the program. I kind of, this is essentially a batch of two things for me, which based off reading your article, there are some broadly what you would call uh, cultural issues with the way and McCaffrey has run Northern Colorado, which which I also batch in with just clear evidence. Ed McCaffrey and the McCaffrey family. I say that because he's it's not just Ed McCaffrey on staff, but Ed McCaffrey as a coach, as a quote unquote CEO, whatever you want to call it, of Northern Colorado football, clearly did not take Big Sky slash FCS football seriously. Do you want you can start wherever you want, whether it's cultural or what I I consider evidence of just not 
uh, being aware of the level of commitment needed to succeed at this level. But they're kind of, it's more like day-to-day related issues that a lot of players have that a lot of players want to get away from. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest thing was it was just a, a conglomeration of several problems. Um, you know, I, again, I think people might look at this and just be like, well, they're, they're salty players, but you know, when they talked to me, they provided a lot of nuance, I think, especially on the issues of communication and the allegations of favoritism, there's going to be, there's going to be a little favoritism in, you know, all programs. It's just the way, it's just the way life is. It's the way sports are. Um, And they also noted that, you know, the head coach isn't necessarily always going to be texting them all the time, but your position coaches should be right. You would think, Um, but they were having problems, you know, connecting with them as well and feeling comfortable um, just talking to them and, you know, without feeling like they were going to get benched or they were going to get in trouble or yelled at or or whatever. And, you know, it, it was an ongoing thing too. It wasn't a one-off from what I'm hearing. And it would be really easy to just brush it off as, oh, it just, it just happened once. He just ignored me once, but they have, they have screenshots. They have examples of this happening multiple times. And, you know, you want coaches who are going to be responsive to you, who care about you getting better. And I think that goes into the maybe lack of respect, lack of preparation. Um, You know, these guys were saying, Hey, can I meet with, with you position coach a talk about how I can get better for the next game. Or, you know, I think I can be really useful against this type of opponent and they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't say anything. They wouldn't meet with them. Um, And you're not going to win football games. If your coaches aren't talking to your players about how to get better, you know, if you're not criticizing everyone and helping them improve, um, you know, and I wish I could say that this was, you know, again, that this was one one or two players and it happened only a couple of times, but so many guys have said that this happened all through the season. You know, some of them wanted to leave within the first couple of weeks because they were like, clearly, we're not going to do anything here. And Which I, I want- just want to kind of narrowly define the communication thing for a second or more narrowly. Again, just for people who haven't read the article, when you say communication problems, you your article cites Ed McCaffrey comes in and says what, I mean, just about every new leader, new administrator, whatever, says when they first start, which is a uh, open door communication, want to make sure everyone feels valued, want to make sure everyone's getting feedback. That's how we get better saying all the right things. But for a lot of the people you talk to, their experience was he said that and then nothing. And it wasn't just an Ed McCaffrey thing. It was suddenly the guys who are on a team who are expecting to be in regular communication with their coaches, like you said, position coaches as well. But broadly speaking, these are people who are looking for feedback. These are people looking for direction, looking for organization. They were promised that a lot of players who talked to you did not, what they experienced is they got nothing at all. It was just vacancy. Right. They couldn't, they couldn't get texts or phone calls returned. Um, they couldn't get 
actual meetings set up in person. Um, and there was a lot of frustration about the fact that, you know, the majority of the coaching staff doesn't live in Greeley, doesn't live in Northern Colorado. Um, so, you know, they, they would have to decide, oh, is this issue important enough for me to drive from Denver? Which how, so a decent amount of coaches in Moscow, not a lot, but always a handful will live in Pullman, which where we live, don't know if you're familiar with the geography. It's an eight mile drive from Pullman to Moscow. About how far is it to go from around Denver to Greeley? Um, I don't know mileage exactly, but it's depending on traffic anywhere from, I would say 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. It's a big, the it is a commute. Yes. It is what essentially any person in any profession would say. It is a commute each time you're coming in, coming out. So that would be part of why some people are touchy about the living situation. What yeah. they're but what they're more touchy about is I'm trying to talk to coach and I can't. Yeah. And I feel like even in, uh, in the situations where, you know, some people are talking to them, it's just, it's issues of importance, you know, you know, they don't feel important enough for them to, to make that hour drive, you know? Yeah. And another thing you referenced was favoritism. And again, to, to more narrowly define it, you're not referencing favoritism as, hey, look, the all-league running back gets treated a little bit better than the non-all-league running back. The breakdown was a little more granular. And in some ways, based off what you talked about, I'm going to ask you to now just tell us, a little more petty than just favoritism that happens that happens to take place. Right. They felt like, um, you know, Guys were getting time off practice, um, like extra time off practice. They were getting extra food during their, their COVID quarantines. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, you just, referenced the thing about um, like Ed McCaffrey had made it kind of a ritual. And by the way, lots of organizations create rituals where to to make – the buy-in for the team a little more effortless. You, you create these markers people have to hit. The markers Ed McCaffrey made was like wearing school colors, getting your number, wearing right. wearing your your like nor, being able having the privilege to wear like Northern Colorado stuff. He created those as like performance markers for some players. Emphasis on the word some. Yeah. Okay. Glad you brought that up. It it's been a while since I wrote this, <laughs> um, but no, the guys who stay around in that first year. And we're here through that spring 2021. Um, you know, that's what they said. That that's what they experienced, and they they liked it. They thought it was they thought it was good for them um, to build that camaraderie, to build that hard work, and um, and just feel connected. Um, you know, unfortunately, they said that once some of those those other transfers, you know, including his son Dylan, um, you know, they they claimed that that wasn't a thing anymore, and that was really frustrating because, you know, they wanted to feel like everyone was on, and no no pun intended, on the same playing field, but. You know, they're saying that's not what happened. And it was really, really frustrating to see to see other players who hadn't been there just come in and, and get everything easily. 
Yeah, and the breakdown, one of the breakdowns you reference of some of the favoritism is essentially the uh, the holdovers from Ernest Collins. A lot of them felt like they were treated not as well. And then the FBS transfers, not just new guys at, at McCaffrey's program, but in your article it specifically references FBS transfers were the ones who were treated uh, clearly in a better way than, than some of the Ernest Collins guys. And some of the things that they also, that you also cited are um, inequity. I'm not just reading your words, inequity between academic and athletic requirements for the FBS transfers and the remaining players. Yeah. Yeah. They were talking about how, um, you know, some of those, um, some of those transfers that came in, you know, they might have lower grades than the other guys. They didn't get chewed out. They didn't get benched. And it was fine. Um, and they said that, you know, they didn't they didn't have the same standards to meet in practice. Um, just a lot. So much that I literally am struggling to remember everything I, I wrote. Um, I can throw you a few more real quick. Just okay. so you got to bank the reference. Uh, other examples, and again, I am now reading your words. Other examples players gave included favored athletes getting new equipment, being awarded additional recovery days, additional film study with coaches, and treatment with healthcare specialists outside of Colorado. The, I mean, it, see, it seems like a pretty clear thing that uh, if if stuff's being award, awarded that tangibly. And I'm, I'm not trying to imply that you are saying this is a 100% FBS, FCS player split. But broadly speaking, if you were one of the favorite guys, you got everything new, you got extra stuff. And right. according to the players you talked to, if you're not one of the favorite guys, you just didn't. Yeah, they they were they just existed at that point. They went to practice um, and kept their heads down, really. That's what the majority of them said is, you know, they knew they wanted to leave. They could. They weren't going to leave mid-season. They wanted to ride it out, um, but they tried to keep to themselves and just get it done and over with. And I think that's a sad way to approach anything um, to feel like you're in that position. Now, the next bucket of things I want to talk about is, and this is the thing that I think our listeners are going to connect to, because so far a lot of this stuff is cut and dry. You got you the university did fulfill their obligation financially or they did not. Now I, I know you're saying there's some vagaries about finding out exact, uh, exactly what happened where, but in terms of a listener interpreting what happened, people got what they were supposed to from a like regulatory stance or they didn't for the favoritism part. You were one of the favorite dudes or you were not one of the favorite dudes. The part I think our listeners are going to care are going to connect with more is the batch I consider clearly Northern Colorado and hiring Ed McCaffrey. They thought they hit a home run. And I think Ed McCaffrey just thought he was going to walk in and the big sky was not going to be a very tough conference. There's a handful of things to talk about that I, I would think of in terms of the big, not taking the big sky seriously. The very first one is one I'm kind of magnetized towards. Hiring Max McCaffrey as an offensive coordinator with exactly no experience whatsoever. Players talk about that. Yeah. Um, I, I get it. I think it, it, they had a very nuanced approach that they understand that everyone starts somewhere, but this, this made no sense. Um, 
you know, and like I pointed out, UNC has been a place that has been able to give um, coaches their first Division One job or their their first head job, right? You know, you've got Steve Smiley, you've got Kristen Matteo, both on basketball, you've got Lindsay Oates on volleyball, um, and then you know, I think literally eight of them currently on staff. You know, this has been their first D one head coaching job, and UNC's seen success. But the difference is all of the coaches that came in had long resumes, either on, you know, a, a D2 or JUCO level or, or assistant experience at, at another D1 or both. And that's what the player said is there wasn't any of that. There wasn't any assistant experience at you know, we'll take Steve Smiley, for example. Uh, Weaver State, he was an assistant for several years before coming over um, and then working under Jeff Linder. You know, neither Ed nor um, Max had that. You know, they didn't work on a D2. They have, you know, Ed has like two, three years of high school coaching experience. Um, Can I pause real quick? Just so people are clear, when you say two, three years, there's a chance a person hears that. And what they hear is, okay, just not a ton of experience. You mean at the literal level, the enti- his entire resume of coaching at any sort of position level, two to three, three years max, depending on what you're choosing to count, two of which were high school, one of which was like club ball or something like that? Yeah. Um, literally, like, it, it's very short. Um, if we were to translate my my personal resume to coaching i have more experience in journalism than i think he does coaching and i that's saying something and that and and that was such a huge issue because they had they had dave baldwin um as the oc he was the original hire um back in 2020 um, and, and Baldwin worked at Stanford. He was Ed's position coach. But Baldwin was fired last spring, allegedly, because, you know, he didn't he didn't like how Ed was running the program. And so he was more or less asked to leave. And some of the specifics, this now I'm jumping in with paraphrased your words real quick. So listeners know the specifics of some of the things Baldwin may have been referring to in terms of not liking the program, obviously could have referred to the stuff earlier, but there's some day-to-day stuff that you had players tell you about examples here. Uh, less favored athletes put on the scout team and then given essentially no instruction while on the scout team, they'd get yelled at for screwing up. But the, if you're on the scout team, you are getting very little individual sort of instruction. Um, we have in terms of preparation or lack of preparation, not getting scouting reports on opponents, film sessions that were like 10 total minutes and players described as being very close to useless. Uh, One player you quoted said, I came from a junior college and I think we did way more preparations before games and meetings than this school does road trips where there's essentially no, no, whatever coaches often talk about like the value of sports is instilling discipline and like in a tangible way for guys, road trips from Northern Colorado, no, essentially no rules, just no, no curfew enforced, no real interaction with, with people supervising the program. It was 
what, what get back to your hotel, get back and then get to the game at some point. More or less. I mean, they, they would have a time, time to meet and they'd go together, but that was about it. Um, everything I heard was, you know, the coaches, um, you know, they would be lucky if the coaches, you know, had dinner with them. Um, again, so many people said little to no scouting reports, little to no film, um, just like I said, I I was shook because I was like, really, you're gonna say you're gonna you're gonna hire a guy to win and then allegedly not give your team the tools to win to have success and yeah, it just it felt like they could just go in there and and do whatever they want and walk all over the big sky. Which did not quite, that did not quite happen, of course. And one of the reasons why I brought up Max McCaffrey is I know for Jane, if you're not a weekly listener, I'll I'll someday forgive you. But um, we have a new coaching staff to everyone, including us. We're we're really happy about what's, what's going on. Um, Our least experienced coach is our wide receivers coach, Matt Linehan, but he has, he has uh, two years experience as a graduate assistant. So and it's at, at a position coach level. So if it's a guy's getting his first D1 job without a ton of experience, like that position coach, hey, that's not a shocking position yeah. to be in. Max McCaffrey's made offensive coordinator with significantly less coaching background than yeah. Matt Linehan here, and McCaffrey was offensive coordinator. Have you looked at how many points per game Northern Colorado scored in conference, Jaden? It's been a hot minute. Um, it's what? 14, 17, maybe you you're a little optimistic. Um, I, and I thought you might be jaded at this point, Northern Colorado in conference, 12.8 points per game, 12 touchdowns, six field goals. So that is on the conference season. They, they scored points, 18 total times, no safeties. Sounds about right. Yes. Uh, and, Max, of course, is back. As, Max is back, Zosi. And look, I want to beat this. I'm just going to beat this Max McCaffrey dead horse into the ground because um, Idaho fans lived through what we refer to as a dead horse era, and we're going to laugh at someone else having a family issue being a dead horse. So when Max McCaffrey threw a fit because he could not handle a high schooler making fun of his pants at Montana State and he snapped a clipboard and threw it in the stands, yeah, what happened disciplinary-wise to him? Nothing that I know of. Okay. Um, I was told that it was handled, but I don't know what that actually means. Okay. We assumed that it was gonna at least be a one, maybe a one-game suspension to to appear as punishment, but um. Yeah, no, I don't. I I don't know that there was really anything. Maybe, maybe a chat. Maybe a, I am disappointed in you, but I don't know. And and the university likes to say that you know they can't share stuff because it's personnel. So take that for what you will. But okay. yeah, there was a lot of drama around that that stupid clipboard. Yeah, one of our uh, Big Sky Podcast Network shows, the Montana Mint found the high school dude and interviewed him, which uh, if you uh, 
Oh, you spoke to him too? I have a picture of said clipboard somewhere. Um, I don't know if it's still my photos. Obviously, we need you to send us a picture so we can turn into merch. Although I don't know how much Northern Colorado merch is going to sell in the Idaho era. But I'm going to, so I'm going to trans, Jane, I want to shift real quick. This would not be in your article, but it would relate to your article. Uh, so this is more of a, you, you're a Northern Colorado football expert. You're here. So might as well ask you the questions. Okay. There's a lot of excitement when Ed McCaffrey took, was announced as the head coach. I mean, it probably felt to at least some people that, look, this is as big a name as they're going to get. It felt, it to me, felt like, hey, this is their version of Deion Sanders going to Jackson State, as in it's a big name who should immediately help with recruitment. There's, we know the people online we, you know, we talk with, we're friendly with who are Northern Colorado fans or affiliated. They were pretty excited heading into the season. How, what's the temperature now on, on Northern Colorado, as far as the fan base, you know, once now that, I mean, obviously the season was rough, but it's yeah. also his first season. I don't think anyone reasonably expected Northern Colorado to become something other than themselves in year one. But now we have also have this stuff coming out. What's, um, I mean, I guess what's the fan base as you understand it, how they reacted to hearing this and has it changed their outlook at all? There are a lot of really disappointed fans, I think. Um, was there a cat? <gasps> yes, I'm sorry. My wife's cat is currently locked in my room and she's like attacking the door over here. So I, I just now realized it's on the video. I was trying to distract her. So I, <laughs> I have two out. black cats. So hello. Okay. Uh, Anyway. Thank you, thank you. But because we have some audio non-video listeners who are going to miss this cat thing, I'm going to ask you to jump back to the Northern Colorado <laughs> interpretation of Ed McCaffrey thing. Sorry. Um, yeah. No, I think there are a lot of disappointed fans, disappointed um, alumni who had a lot of high hopes, and um, you know. I think there are people who who want all of this to be false just out of sheer like this is their their school you know they love it so much they don't want to see see something bad happen but yeah I think I think you'll have season ticket holders who are still going to they're still going to be around just because it's like it's something to do they graduated from UNC cool beans right but I think there are a lot of hurt hurt alumni who maybe don't live in the area anymore. There are a lot of former football players who have who've either tweeted about it or reached out, you know, talking about how upset they are to hear about this and, you know, talked about how excited um, they were for the future and now they're not so sure. Um, and I think I think that's a real bummer. Um, you know, because like the like these guys said, like so much stuff could be avoided just by a little bit more communication, a little bit more, you know, maybe, um, maybe a, a bigger perspective um, and even an apology to say, hey, you know, even if they didn't think that they did anything wrong, to say your feelings are valid and we'll try and be better. But so many people have not heard that. And so you're saying to your knowledge, uh, based off the, the sources you have, based off people you've talked to, 
that so what, what publicly the University of Publicly Ed McCaffrey said, to my knowledge at this point, is essentially, yeah, it didn't happen. Uh, if there's people upset, we don't like that. But no, yeah, uh, the allegations, not a big deal. Yeah. You are saying you have not heard of, hey, that's like the public PR message. But in private, there's different type of work trying to uh, keep people together. Yeah. Yeah. Um... As in, there, sorry, there is not a different, oh. to your knowledge. There is not like you have not been told of, you know, like in private McCaffrey handling this news coming out different or in a way that does not wholly align with his public perception, which has been, hey, there's nothing to see here. Yeah, no, there's a lot of there's nothing to see here inside, outside and people inside and outside the program are upset about it. Um, you know, I think a lot of fans are actually. Uh, are also upset that there hasn't been any sort of other apology. Like I said, there's no acknowledgement that maybe something could have gone wrong um, and saying these players' feelings are valid. And I think a lot of a lot of fans and alumni are, are really upset about that. Um, so I don't know how things are going to go. I just know that the, that the mood is not super great. All right, before we surrender you to your two cats who are not on camera for wrestling night, Jane, thanks for coming on. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, so most of my journalism stuff is on Twitter. Um, the account is also Jaden Adams, but the the handle is Jay Watson Fisher. So like I said, lots of clarity out there. Um, people can follow me on Instagram, I guess. But it's mostly cats and food and like outfits, so not so much on journalism. But I always, I always like new followers. That's cool. Um, and I do have a quote-unquote professional Facebook um, that I occasionally put stories on. But let's be honest, I'm not as I'm not as committed to that one as I am Twitter and Instagram. So can we? At this point, understanding that uh, big sky beat reporters do leave. At this point, should we tell listeners, hey, if you want to keep up with Northern Colorado or if you want your Twitter timeline to just be Big Sky stuff, Jaden Adams is the person to follow. We'll say that for now. I'm not making any yeah. promises. I miss my mom and she's back in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. But for the time being, I'm here unless someone wants to pay me more money. And right now Until they don't further. want to. <laughs> Till further notice. Jaden, yeah. thanks for coming on. And uh, if you're still here, we will assault you with Northern Colorado questions as news develops or as football season approaches. Oh, God, I hope not. Hopefully no more right. drama. Uh, that's what you say. We, we, we love it. But anyway, thanks for coming on. And maybe we'll talk to you later. See you, friends. Thanks, Jaden. So before we trans before we shift out, Dallas, want to hear your – you've been on the shelf for a while. Um, based off what we talked about, based off specific stuff, based off of articles you may have read, um, jump in, man. I mean, so for anybody that hasn't read the article, I do recommend you go do so. It is very long. Um, so I know for most of us Idaho grads, reading is difficult. Uh, at least I know I'm in that boat. Uh, so it might be a couple-hour read uh, or longer for for some of us. But uh, the biggest thing that sticks out to me is that everything that this guy could do wrong, 
he's doing wrong and it's baffling like I, I we we barely scratched the surface of some of the things that are 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 listed in here but there's all the communication problems we talked about there's the fact that he's extraordinarily unqualified one of the like the biggest things that is just is in, insane to me is he doesn't seem to care at all and obviously like we, it, it's been discussed but this whole article is about like it, it honestly what i know captain has mentioned in here multiple times about like smooth it over to the over the players or don't give a fuck don't hmm, tough call like but this guy's literally choosing don't care don't care don't care it's it's almost like he's getting this on a resume and hoping that he's going to land another job but good luck with that uh from how this is going uh it there's a whole bunch of stuff about all of the coaches that he brought on are all Obviously, like his kid, zero, little to zero experience. They're all yes men. They're all there just to like nod their head and smile and kiss his ass because he's a micromanager who is it sounds like a tyrant. Um, it's on like it's 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 honestly amazing to me. Um, I inadvertently took a shot at Aki and Petrino in the uh comment section and said it was kind of like if you combined the two of them, uh if Petrino had more success that wasn't tied to his brother. I could have seen him be, being a guy that was a lot like this. And a, a lot of the the internal problems of the program are a lot of the things that we'd heard is how Aki's tenure ended. And that's kind of why, why Petrino was the hard ass brought in to like clean up some of the just lackadaisical structure of the program. Uh, it, it's, it is honestly baffling. I know that it's tough to to care about this when you know when, if you're just an a guy list, turning in or tuning in to listen to us talk about Idaho. But this is like this is insane. If Brian Harson was doing this, that guy would have gotten his ass fired on the first week at Auburn. Like this is only happening because it's at Northern Colorado and nobody cares about Northern Colorado. If this was happening anywhere in the Power Five, anywhere in the Group Five, hell, half the teams in the Big Sky, this would have this would be everywhere but it's it's happening in the remote outpost in the, the remote outpost of Greeley where nobody seems to care about this team and it it's kind of just being swept under the rug but this is like it's honestly it is hard to read about this um and I'm not gonna say it out loud uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna encourage everybody to just jump on the YouTube video at about the 47 and a half minute mark and see the comment that rack of hit 69 has just placed uh, in our YouTube, because that is the one difference about what Brian Harson is doing and what uh, Ed McCaffrey is doing that to Ed McCaffrey's credit. That's about the one thing we have not heard of him doing. So he's got one thing going for him. Yeah, I guess that's, that is one option. The another thing I want to go over that is a little bit weird just how this is structured is I don't think anyone is would fall to a guy like Ed McCaffrey for bringing in Dylan McCaffrey's son to play quarterback. He was an elite 11 quarterback, blue chip recruit to Michigan, Idaho. If he, we would have had Ed, uh, Dylan McCaffrey transfer in last season, a lot of us would, would be stoked about that prospect. I'm not going to hold at all giving Dylan McCaffrey a shot to work some stuff out throughout the year we'll say there's listeners may not know this because no reason to i did some re i, I did some for fun research for another big big sky podcast that were show the montana mint throughout the season as a joke 
tracking Dylan McCaffrey. He finished the season conference season averaging 4.9 yards per pass attempt. That would not even have been a top 10 running backs in the big sky rushing yards per attempt for a good amount of the season. I kept an unofficial tracker of is Dylan McCaffrey's yards per attempt, a top 20 running backs yards per attempt in big sky. And it actually took until pretty dang late in the season for him to crack an average of 4.5 yards per pass. But I bring that up as, Hey, that's like the fair one. And McCaffrey's in there running the show. Look, I mean, we already talked about that as a name for Northern Colorado, but in addition to that, Max McCaffrey at offensive coordinator, preposterously terrible, uh, less than 13 points per game, less than only 18 total scores the entire big sky season. But then also Max McCaffrey's girlfriend is the director of operations which means there's almost no angle you can go to in that program if you're a guy frustrated with how things are going and not run into a McCaffrey who's going to report right back uh, to the guy you're not comfortable with. So in short, not floored that 32 guys are leaving. I, I'm not floored that some percentage of guys are leaving because I don't think Northern Colorado is like Idaho, where Idaho has three total guys leaving. One, that's a testament to what Eck has done as trying to connect, trying to sound up, shore up what Idaho has because he believes we have the foundations already to be solid and that we've been underperforming. And if we've been underperforming, likely in a guy like X mind, it means, well, it's because you change strategy up, add some extra players too. But if, if he is keeping all the guys, that's because he wants to Northern Colorado, probably talent wise, not in that same scenario. So you wouldn't necessarily want just three people leaving the program, but 32, 32 leads the nation. It's not close. Uh, Jane talked about that in the article. A couple other schools in Colorado have around 20-some, but that counts people transferring into the program too. This is Northern Colorado, just people leaving the program. It's 30, 31 to apparently 32 is going to be confirmed pretty quick. Uh, before we jump off, before we transition out, Dallas, anything you want to bring up to close the uh, discussion on? Honestly, I mean, honestly, to me, this is just further evidence of why it feels so great to finally hit the home run in the coaching search is what it feels like for us. I mean, again, X got to have games for this to matter, but he's doing every, every player that we've taught that we've had info from every parent we've had info from has been saying only positive things about what X done. And it kicks ass for us to be on the inside of that scenario instead of being on the outside Dallas closes out before we transition out. I mean, I just want to reiterate to people. I, I have railed against the Petrino regime for most of the last nine years. Okay, honestly, the, all of the last nine years, including the bowl season. Um, they almost lost to Montana State to start. I was I was amazed they made a bowl season. Like they almost a lost bad to Montana State team. Yeah, like that was a that was an absolute miracle. That honestly looked like holy shit. Paul might get fired after this game because they almost lost to an awful Montana State FCS school when we were still FBS. Anyways. I have been contacted by so many former players and so many like parents of former players and, and current players and have all had these awful, terrible experiences with Paul Petrino. Uh, a lot of players have, have been out. We had um, Austin Rico on our show and heard good things about Petrino. Obviously there's, you know, there's, there's good and bad on both sides. That is the same thing with the McCaffrey thing here. Uh, for, we obviously didn't have Ben Schleiger on, but if you look at Ben Schleiger's uh, article, a lot of stuff is, uh, you know, anonymous because players didn't want to risk things. Um, there were there are active players that that say the exact opposite of the things that that were in Jaden's report that 
coach is really hands-on and he's great to work with and you know where you stand with him. There are certainly people that say that. Um, and I, I think that's a, a fair thing to at least acknowledge. There are people that have good experiences with him. But the by, by the large majority of 32 players transferring and most of the people quoted in Schleiger's article and most of the people quoted in Jaden's article, this, I mean, this is a train wreck. This is an absolute disaster. And I, I don't know what you do if you're Northern Colorado. You took a swing on on bringing in one of the biggest names in Denver sports history to try to bring some sort of interest to your program, and it has failed spectacularly. I am just I'm so thankful, like you said, that we are in an era of Vandal football where, I mean, our viewership has gone through the roof. Our Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash Tubs of the Club, hashtag only Tubs, has gone through the roof. Obviously, people are showing up to, in droves to talk about Eck and the new program. And there's so much excitement around Vandal football that I this, this reading these kind of articles makes me take things for granted because this absolutely could have happened at a school like Idaho. And minor pieces of it already have across multiple different regimes. So it's just a it's a really good way to frame how thankful I am and how excited I am for this new era of Vandal football. And with hashtag that, only tubs. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag only tubs. Um, that is not the close of Around the Bar, but it was brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great, inclusive, all-week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S., located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main Salmon River No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perced Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been Vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. And now it's veggie time, guys. We got we only have one basketball game to talk about, so it won't be a super long chat. And uh, now this is when everyone can jump off if you're here for the football talk. Although, you know what? Because we're closing out just like a teaser for next week, I have some stuff I want to talk about from the signing day event that I went to that is concrete that I think listeners will like, but it's also not time-sensitive like this basketball game. So Idaho plays one game last week. It is... Against Southern Utah, it is in Cedar City. Southern Utah, one of the better teams in the Big Sky in the top four. They're definitely going to be a team with a bye. That is I gotta, I gotta jump in here real quick. Brian is stalling to find the score because in the outline I wrote, "Who cares to dog shit" as the final score. So I, I apologize, unprofessional on my behalf. That's cool. I actually wasn't stalling, but um, the Idaho goes down seventy-five to fifty-nine. Uh, we're led by Mikey Dixon scoring 17 points on five and 13 shooting picked up for four rebounds as well. Uh, Rashad Smith off the bench and then Travante Anderson starting uh, both chipped in 11, although Travante took 14 shots to get to his 11. Um, this was a game that honestly didn't feel very close at all. Um, I was amazed it wasn't 25 to 30 point win. So in Utah was, hitting everything early, but they're hitting everything early because the shots were open. 
Dallas, what's the story of last week in Southern Utah? Oh man. Um, I mean, the story is the same thing it's, it's been, uh, there's just, there's not enough talent on this team and there's the coaching isn't good enough to recover. Um, obviously we've, we've spoken as we went through the run where we hoped to pick up some wins and, and didn't pick up anywhere near as many as we thought we would. Then when we, when you start playing against the teams in the, the, the cream of the crop in the big sky, it's just, it, it's almost like watching a different sport. It's, it's just ugly. Uh, it's, I, I don't even know how to talk about this. Uh, it, it's just, it's bad. Uh, Idaho turned it over considerably more than Southern Utah did, which you'd expect against a, a quality team. But I, I just, I don't have anything positive to say about it. It was, it realistically wasn't close after what, four minutes in? Three minutes in, uh, they opened up a 10-point lead four minutes into the game, and I mean, and never looked back. It's just, I've got nothing. There's nothing I can say to redeem anything about this team. And Brian, maybe you've got something, but this was this was over and shut before the first media timeout. And that's just, that's what's going to happen against, like you said, Southern Utah is one of the top four teams in the conference. This is what happens against teams that are well-coached and have have more talent than Idaho does. No, my story is, is Idaho is moving backward at this point. Uh, we, we had those two wins against Sacramento State and Portland State where it felt like, hey, maybe something's going to be going to string together. Since then, uh, we've lost to Montana, Montana State and Southern Utah, which, hey, those are three of the, three of the better teams in conference. But the thing that's changing is that we, we've been dumpster fire on defense the entire season, which we're mostly still there. Had a for us a good defensive showing against Montana State, one of our best of the season. But broadly speaking, uh, that doesn't really change the trend line of how we've been defensively. Per, it's a pretty safe bet that we're going to have a defensive rating of over 100. But our our offense was what was at least making this team interesting, and it was how we were able to stay competitive in some games. Heck, that's how we beat South Dakota State. Is we just simply out? It was a miracle, but we outshot a very good shooting team to pick up a pretty exciting win earlier in the season. That offensive success, that offensive efficiency, that's out the window now. Uh, Our last three games, offensive rating below 90 every single time. And against Southern Utah, offensive rating of 83. This is back to numbers like last season. I mean, we, we do have Mikey looking good, which, you know, props and stuff up. But those offensive ratings in the 80s, no, that, that's last season level, guys. That's no different than what we had last season. So, yeah, that's my story is we're we're moving backwards. I mean, Southern Utah, Southern Utah didn't even have a very good shooting night against us to get an offensive rating of 105.6. So over that Mendoza line of 100, the the, the Thunderbirds shot 45% on the night, only 35% in the second half, and they still won by 16. But also from three, they were – 28% on the game, including one of 10 in the second half. That's how this was in a 30-point game. Is Southern Utah just missed some shots. So my takeaway, man, is the the excitement that we, we hope was there. Look, I mean, we're late in the season, and this is a worse basketball team than when we started the season. Like, hey, jury's in. Um, it's the countdown. We have Idaho – what do we have? Nine conference games left. Dallas, we're we're sitting at. We've got two conference wins. We're two intense. We've got eight conference wins left. 
Klaus at this point needs to go seven and one to hit that 12 win mark. We were told to, we were told he's going to have to hit uh, separately. Been told that at least discussions about uh, organization for a next coach are beginning with the expectation that alums are pretty excited about the football coach. And we'd like like 10% of that with basketball. So we have about two more losses before I'd expect the talk to be taking place. And I'm mm-hmm. saying this fatalistically because there's just no way. Like, I mean, the jury's got to be in. It's just going to be over. So for us, it's kind of playing out at this point. After our next, we have two losses where for 12 wins to be off the table. After our next two losses, the story for me on this team is what does it look like playing out the string? Yep. Uh, honestly, that's that's all there is here. Um, all the excitement, excitement that we have for, for the new football staff, it, I have the inverse of that for this basketball team. Uh, we are counting down the, the moments here. Um, like Colin says, there is a 0.01% chance that he goes 7-1 and one to finish the season, and the search should start immediately if we lose to ISU. I would, uh, I would put a small asterisk on that. If we lose to ISU again, because that's, I think, important. If ISU beats Idaho twice this season, that is, I completely agree. Just cut the head off the snake right there, and let's just let's just start moving on immediately. Um, I, I honestly I feel like that should have happened years ago. But uh, as as uh, our lovely Dan Martin jumping in, uh, Captain Fifty Eight, a team that gets worse as the season goes on, that's a sign of quality coaching. Uh, we, we saw this with the end of the Petrino era. That Eastern game hit. And then it seemed like the team just kind of checked out on him. And for the most part, everything fell apart at, at, after that. That feels like we are at this exact point with this basketball team. We have seen the peak. Unfortunately, it came months and months ago. Uh, and honestly, since December 8th, we've had a little bit of you know, optimism here and there, You know, almost beating Eastern on the road. Uh, shout out to Patty, uh, hanging out with him at that game. And then it was the score was deceptive against uh, Weber State. Obviously, it really wasn't that close. But they were like, okay, hey, they you know, Weber State's pretty good. They hang with them. Maybe maybe we've got that shot to to put to rattle off some wins on the the weakest stretch of the schedule. And then we go out there and get creamed by most teams. And it's just I got nothing. There's there's nothing here to excite me. Klaus could win every single game from here on out, and I wouldn't I wouldn't care. I'd be like. Cool. Get him gone and let's start this over because this is obviously not working. It's we're how many years into this failed experiment and it's it's just not working. And to me, this is the same thing as the Petrino thing. Everybody can see it. It's blatantly obvious that this isn't working. There's like Colin saying here, the peak of this was losing like nine close games, and that was the best run that Zach Kloss has had as the head coach here. And Unfortunately, that's true. I, I'm sure Klaus is a great guy. We've heard nothing but good things about what he's done academically to to improve the program and some of the things behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, the basketball is terrible to watch, uh, and the results are obviously just fantastic. So, what the well, hell are we? We're still regressing. Doing? We're regressing. I mean, we <laughs> we talked we talked a couple weeks ago about how turnovers were not a huge issue for this team. Like, I mean, they weren't great, but they weren't terrible. We're down to the second worst. Turnover assist to turnover ratio in the league. We have a turnover to assist ratio of averaging three more turnovers than assists. Uh, the other issue with that is, you know, assist wise, we're kind of middle ish of the pack, but now we lead the league in turnovers per game. 
while not being particularly great at getting assists. The reason why I bring up getting assists for listeners is assists are evidence of effective offensive system. Assists are evidence of people getting easy shots. Not just It's not just the accrual of an assist. It's what an assist signifies. So offensively, we're regressing. We're turning the ball over. Defensively, we're not getting better. It's really just, that's it. Uh, this week, we do get to play, well, we're recording on Wednesday. So we play Idaho State in Moscow this week for the King Spud. We're going to call it the King Spud game forever. Uh, other than Idaho State, we also, um, we, good God. After Idaho State, we play Weber State. That's in Moscow as well. That is going to be on Saturday. And then we have Montana next week after we record for Thursday. But we have another run. Idaho State has to be a winnable game. Uh, but then we follow up with Weber State, Montana. Yeah, it's, it's just over. I'm ready to shift out. Hot take, Heemstra. You ready for the the quick women's update? Yes. Sorry. Sorry. If you would need to, if you want to go ahead and start your little. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgive thing. you. Um, so women's basketball, they're finally back on the court after being on the shelf for uh, coronavirus issues, both of their team and other teams. So first, uh, first game, Idaho at Southern Utah. Idaho wins 82-63, paced by Sydney Gandy's 22 points. Beyonce Bay adds 15.7 rebounds. Allison Kirby chips in 12 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, almost, almost triple-double. Follow that up, Idaho play, Idaho at Montana State. We go down 96-84. Montana State's a good basketball team, guys. They have the best player in the conference. But uh, Allison Kirby leads us 18 points, 4 rebounds. Beyonce Bay, 16.6 rebounds. Uh, TM Johnson, 14 points, five rebounds. So, Martin, this to me falls in line with what I've seen out of our women's team. We're a middle-of-the-packish team in the big sky, which means we should probably lose against the best teams in the conference. We should probably beat the lower to middle, middle-ish teams in the conference. But what what's your takeaway from these last couple games? Yeah, it's this two games are kind of it. I know I've said it in the past, the past two games. I think I've said I can't remember exactly that I've said week to week on these shows. It kind of all blurs together at some points. But the first game was almost what I expected this team to be at the beginning of the season. You're beating everybody, you're beating them with no regards for, I'm saying no regard, with no. You're just beating them, and it is you are in control the entire game, wire to wire, and you do not let up at all. Yeah, results not in question is what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the result was never in question. There was maybe a thought that maybe it'll be a little closer than the game actually was, just because you're playing your backups, your freshmen, getting them that game time experience, those learning experiences. So when they become your starters, they they have those experiences they can go off of. But it it was never in doubt. This, the second game, the Montana State game was the gas ran out. They, if you're watching on YouTube, they got outscored 26, I think it was 20, 28 to seven in this, in the fourth quarter. And you could just tell they were out of gas. There was a, like Idaho was leading. And I thought, oh, sh-, like, oh shit, this team is. For real, they are actually going to beat the top teams in the conference, but it's just they don't. It's the sometimes they feel like they have it together, and some day in some games they don't. It is just this team is an enigma. Like I, like I've said in my Discord, it is some days they could they could fuck around and win the tournament in the conference tournament, or they could 
crap the bed and lose the first game this lose the first tournament game it is i don't you don't know what you're getting week to week with this team yeah and this was a rough stretch i mean montana state's leading the conference at 10 and 2 in conference 15 8 overall southern utah I mean, their record for women is almost identical to the record in men. Uh, they were like, I was like, it was their, they, Southern Utah is no sludge team for women's this year. I know in the past they have been like the the bottom feeder, but this year they are a lot better. Than yeah, nine and, nine and three in conference, uh, which uh, for reference point, Idaho, after that win, that moved us up to four and six in conference. So we're still, we're on the outside looking in of a first round tournament by but of the teams who are not going to get a first round tournament by we're at this point set up to be playing uh, w- one of the better matchups we can have. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're not going to have a bias and playing a team that seating wise is relatively close. So after the, after these games, Martin, um, you know, we, we've been taking your temperatures throughout the season. Are you, the, do these games change your outlook on Idaho women's basketball this season at all? Or are we still stay in the course of up and down? They're going to, they're going to win some games. They shouldn't, they're going to lose some games. They shouldn't. And oh, absolutely. It's going to be that way. Happens tournament time. Yeah. It's going to, they're going to win some games. They should, and they're going to lose some games. They shouldn't, but it's definitely, it's definitely going to be like that up and down season. If they don't get a tournament, if they don't get a first round by at this point, I'm not going to like be disappointed with it. I'm just going to be like, what can they, what's going to be different next year. That's going to make that. So they're going to be there next year, but it's like, it's very much kind of stay the middle of the road, kind of hope for that higher seat, hope for hopefully try and get the best seed you can at this point and go from there. And to close out the show, guys, we're running a little bit long for us during a non-real football uh, game episode. We have some coaching news on Moscow. Uh, Idaho has finally hired their volleyball coach, which we talked about this previously. He's actually been hired for a while, but new head coach Chris Gonzalez did not want to be announced until he had his staff together. He wanted the entire staff announced as a core group. So Chris Gonzalez, new head coach, uh, assistants he's bringing along are Kalisha, oh good God, we should have asked how to pronounce this. Kalisha Gore. Yeah, Kalisha Gore and Brian Bastuba. They're both assistants. So Chris Gonzalez is coming to us. He had been coaching professionally in Japan, has background as USA national team head and assistant coach, coached professional teams in Europe, won three championships in in Europe. Uh, Also was an assistant at Long Beach State in the 90s when Long Beach State went to three national championships. They picked up one win there. He was he won national championship when he was an assistant coach on the roster. I don't have a lot of hot takes on new volleyball coaches other than it's time. Yeah. Glad we've got got a new group. Um Vandal volleyball is gonna be a little I mean it'll be a lot different with Debbie with Debbie Buchanan not on the court because she was here for like what 20 years was it or something like that? I can't get I can't remember the exact time, but just it is something that it'll be a lot different. But having talked to people that I know that work with the athletics, they kind of said, like, it is a good hire. It is like as Cap Dan says, it is a damn good resume, and it is something that Vandal fans that maybe or once say tepid or maybe just start interested in that athletics is something that's kind of a splashy hire for volleyball. No, this and Dallas, I'm going to let you jump in a second. Cool. Um, the way I can talk about volleyball is by talking about other sports. Mm-hmm. 
we rightly and persistently have hammered home the hiring of Zach Kloss was a historically bad hire by Terry Golick and people should have been down on her for that hire. And then we didn't have a lot of big things to react to. I mean, Idaho navigated the coronavirus time. We had, you know, we had spring season, but we were not unique in doing that. So, I mean, pat ourselves on the back, but not, not too much. That's, you know, relatively average for FCS teams that you played and didn't die during the spring. These reason hires, uh, Jason Eck and the staff Eck has been able to put together home run. Um, the institutional hirings that have given Vandal Athletics a much better, they're they're setting themselves up to have a much more public face and to be reaching a lot more people. That's an institutional thing, not just a Jason Eck thing. Um, good hires plus strategy we have not seen before. That's another positive one. I'm gonna chart knock. I'm gonna chart this as a win too. Uh, Chris Gonzalez, great background. I can't talk volleyball strategy, but this is when people think of Terry Golick as being a not particularly charismatic individual publicly. But the justification for that person getting the job is that they know what they're doing behind the scenes and running a program. Uh, this is starting to be we're now getting more pieces of evidence in favor of that interpretation over which good news about time. And something I want to I want to bring up. Um, I, we all joked about it. Uh, and I say we as in like the, the Vandal fans that I knew before I was involved with Tubbs. Uh, we all joked about, hey, we're hiring a, somebody from Wisconsin. Maybe she can hire some Wisconsin coaches and bring them over. Um, obviously she knew Eck from her time at Wisconsin. Uh, they'd had a relationship that went back a very long time. Um, it's, it's funny to, to think about that as like a, maybe that Wisconsin connection helped. Obviously he had coached at Idaho. So that was a, a large part of it, but uh, he being, Eck. he being, he being Eck, excuse me. So Eck obviously had coached at Wisconsin, uh, or excuse me, played at Wisconsin and, and then coached here at Idaho and the Idaho tie was probably a bigger thing, but, uh, for anybody that doesn't follow volleyball, uh, Wisconsin just won the national championship. Uh, Golic is quoted in this article uh, that's on the screen. Um, just you know, go to go go to govandals.com and you can read all about the, the new coaches. Golic is is quoted in here. She reached out to the head coach at Wisconsin who just won a national championship and asked for a recommendation on who to hire. And this is one of the guys that was given to her. Maybe the guy that was given to her. So. Uh, we, we may make jokes about the Wisconsin thing from time to time, but if, if Gonzalez comes in and turns the program around, uh, at least for the public perception of it, the way that Eck has, uh, this, this is fantastic. This is what we wanted to see when we hired a, a former assistant AD or associate AD, I forget what her, her full title was. When we hired Golic in, this is the kind of thing we were hoping for was to land people that have some sort of tie to a larger school or, or use that that power five connection to, to make headway in, in building these programs. So yes, while the class thing is historically bad and will always be historically bad and will always end up being a running joke on this show, the rest of the coaches she's hired, she seems to be doing a pretty decent job with it. Don't have much to add other than hoping that streak continues when men's basketball season concludes. We're, we're already running long. So I'm going to save my uh, my signing day uh, stories for next week. Spoiler alert. Um, I went to the Idaho signing event, met, met the coaches, and would love to talk to you guys about it, but we're an hour 15, so we're going to have to run. Martin, really appreciate you running the show from the shadows. Before I want to throw it to you before we call the night. Anything else you want to say to close out volleyball? 
Uh, no, I got nothing about volleyball. Just something to kind of keep the date on. I do. I've kind of, as being in Moscow, I've tried to help with being more active with my local Vandal Scholarship Fund chapter. And something that they want me to help promote is the Vandal Golf Tournament and Vandal Golf Scramble. Vandal Golf Scramble. The date is not going to be that, but if you just want to save the date for right now, if you also want to check up for updates, go to Latak County Vandal Scholarship Fund. If you look at Latak County VSF on Facebook, it'll be there. If you're also on the Galen Woods Vandalgram, he will definitely be sending information out about that. And yeah, just save the date for June 4th, 2022. It is a Saturday, I believe, at the Moscow at the Vandal Golf Course. So if you ever want to come down and support the VSF, please come support this golf this golf scramble. Which will be coming this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Okay. That's a wrap, guys. Thanks, everyone, for joining us live. Thanks for uh, Rack of Tits for keeping it uh, PC for him until Jane was off. Uh, Rack of Tits for the listeners is a viewer who contributes to our comment thread. You guys are more than welcome to do that here and through only tubs, patreon.com backslash tubs the club. It's time for Colby Cuff to play us out. Go Vandals. Oh, gosh. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals in the crowd. All just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow dream.